for someone who has a very strong moral compass, um, if you do something, is it going to bother you? Are you going to feel bad about it? Are you going to feel bad about it for a week? Or are you going to feel bad about it for two years, five years, a decade? For your life. For your life, right? Product Growth Leaders proudly presents the Business of Product Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. Steve, uh, we've we've hit a nerve, I think, with this topic this week, Mm -hmm. haven't we? The topic this week is ethics in product management. Uh, Normally, we don't talk about current events and stuff like that because this could be listened at any time. But Facebook product manager goes on 60 Minutes and ethics in business is a huge thing, but she was the product manager. So ethics and product management becomes a topic uh, that is interesting. And this is not a just right now, right then. It's, it's an issue that's been an issue ever since I've been doing product management and market, marketing and strategy, all right? This is something that's been around forever, but it was an interesting th- time to get into it. And uh, boy, we've got a great panel today. Uh, we've got Glenn Pride, uh, Brian Weber, Joy McCaffrey. Boy, I can't wait to talk to you about your answer. Paul Hurwitz, May Wong, and we had Calvin. Hopefully, Calvin's coming back. But on Monday, we asked the question with the Facebook product manager whistleblower in the news, what is a product manager's ethical responsibility with respect to their product or products? Joy. I- I, you know what? And I've said this before. Joy is always the wonder of the one word answer that just is perfect for it. Joy said, absolute. As always on this call, Joy, I'm going to ask you to expand. Okay. Um, when I did get to it, I wasn't the first to answer, but when I did get to it, it really touched a nerve, as you said. Like I had a really visceral response because um, I quit a job over ethics and I did not have another job waiting. I said, I'm done. I put in two weeks notice, but I'm like, I'm, I'm out of here. And that was 2008 and I'm still- Wow. And you, you've done a lot of stuff in financial. So was it in the financial industry? No. Okay. No. Was it 2008? But not the best time for, you know, there was a recession starting. Um, It was a, a SaaS company. And just for a little bit of background, it was a very toxic environment. I mean, I've worked at so many toxic companies. And I heard that one of the sales reps had quit because the C-suite was asking her to put things in an RFP that weren't true. And I thought, well, good for her. You know, so they, you know, they say things. And I was just very impressed that she refused to do it. And then later they came to me and they wanted me to fill out the RFP and lie about the product, about what it could do. And I, that was the final straw. I said, I'm not, I'm not doing it. That's just, 
I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, so I handed in my two week notice. And a couple of weeks later, the lead developer called me and said, they're asking me to do it. They're asking me to stand in front of the client and create mock-ups that, uh, for the product that we can't do. So when I saw your question, I was vehemently, I'm like, yes, product management. We product managers, absolutely, we are responsible for it. But I also, part of the question, you know, the, the product manager at, at uh, Facebook, who's the whistleblower, I reached out to the developer and I said, because we've kept in touch since 2008, um, he, I said, should I have done more than just quit? Should, should I become a whistleblower? And he was like, well, who would you have blown the whistle to? <laughs> we weren't Facebook, you know, it was one client who was a toxic company, but you know, the sales rep left, the product manager left, the lead developer left, we kind of crippled them. Mm -hmm. um, well, and that's what Glassdoor is all about. And I did add it to Glassdoor. Actually, I went back to Glassdoor and it was so old that my review is buried, you know, mm -hmm. like page 10 or whatever. Yeah. But I did go into Glassdoor and say, this is an unethical company. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my long-winded answer. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be honest, Joy. I, I, I worked at a company, a uh, big soft, enterprise software company back in the late 90s. And you know, they had some issues as well. And I was working for the uh, head of global market development. And one of his roles was analyst relations. And when the revelations, I, I have to get the word right. When the revelations came out about what was going on and, and we didn't know about it, right? There were rumors, but we didn't see it. We didn't know. He called all of us. He was based in Boston. He flew everybody who was reporting to him. We were fairly remote at the time up to Boston. And he said, I'm letting you know that I've given my notice. Uh, I didn't know I was lying to the analysts when I did it. But now that I know my choice is to either admit to them I'm a liar and, and say whatever or to leave. Because he, he said, the only thing you have is you right? It's your integrity. And so I, I understand completely where you're coming from. Uh, I was going to use that story later, but I thought your story would resonate with me. It reminded me of the situation. And he left. And within the next three or six months after that, most of the rest of his team left. Uh, and, you know, because uh, it, 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 if you don't leave, then what does it say? You condone it. Well, and then I talked to him. I said, should I have stuck around and tried to fix it? And he said, there's no fixing that. <laughs> I mean, since then, they're still, um, they're still around. They've had their complete C-suite within two years was turned over. Um, but he said, if I had thought it was fixable, but clearly we didn't. All three of us left. Wow. I, and, and, and a lot of stuff turned over in the C-suite. That's, I, you, I, right now I'm just sitting here <laughs> You know, just thinking about it because in product management, we are put in these places that we see or know things that a lot of people aren't doing. If somebody's just coding, a developer's coding, they may not see or hear about some of these things, but the closer you get to decision makers and markets and promises and that type of stuff and product management around all of them, 
we, we see a lot of that. Steve, I'd love to get your take as a whole. I mean, there, God, now I'm thinking this should be like a two or three week series because now my head is going to all the different places that product management can be hit with eth ethical things. Talk to me, you know, where's your head on this? Well, I have always kind of lived by the rule of if it showed up on the front page of the paper, uh, how would you feel about it, right? It's almost like some companies are like, as long as it's a secret, you know, do whatever the hell you want. And yet, you know, when it hits the newspaper, it's like, oh, gosh, we had no idea that there were no women in the executive suite. You know, it's like, well, yeah, you, you kind of <laughs> did. But now that it's in the paper, you're bending over backwards to apologize or something. Um, so whenever I look at an ethical question, my my thing is, you know, what what would the newspaper say and or what would my mother say? Well, the mother wants a good one. And I worked for a company once that I've mentioned that that was what they said is the whole training for risk management for management was don't be the reason that we're on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. The, ba the bad reason we're on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Right. The good reason we're on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Right. My other thought, though, uh, relative to the Facebook uh, situation is there ought to be someone on the other side of that conversation that has a clue what's being talked about. Yeah. I mean, this idea of politicians sitting in front of a room understanding what she's talking about is just like mind blowing to me. They're like, so wait, Instagram is different than Facebook. And she's sitting here <laughs> talking about some actual technical shit, you know, and, and they're like, so how do I take a photo from Instagram and put it on Facebook? <laughs> so I, I don't know, it always makes me laugh when I see uh, politicians pretending to guide or make decisions about anything technology based when they have so little understanding of technology. I, 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 in tech, you know, there's a lot of conversations about the importance of empathy and a liberal arts education to help people think critically. And I think that there's a lot of stuff that happens in the tech world that maybe could benefit from that. Uh, a couple of the other answers, Jason Weber, uh, there always, been, there have been several studies that ethical companies are more profitable long-term than unethical ones. You have to live with yourself and the decisions you make. Uh, unfortunately, as we've seen many times in history, people can get swept up in the movements that are unethical. Uh, I agree with that. And then Mandy Cherry responded, there's a lot of room between ethical behavior and making the world a better place. With most things in life, there are shades of gray. <clears throat> Glenn, you responded and talked about a specific industry you've been in healthcare where there's even more, uh, you know, maybe a, more or different ways of opportunities for ethics to become in uh, and, you know, ethics is drummed into your head. Talk to me about in your specific industry, because privacy and data and that type of stuff is so, you know, present. Talk to me about what was drummed in the head about ethics, more than just the don't put us on the front page, right? No, well, I mean, we all received the HIPAA training. We um, had a process called a uh, potential patient safety issue where uh, a medical officer, you could go talk to a medical officer and say, look, this is what's happening. Is there any risk of you know, harm to a patient in, in, in that matter? Um, but there's even a, I, I think, 
a bigger issue with medical software and the fact that it's so easy to misrepresent data to another piece of software, not necessarily on purpose, but there's lots of factors that could cause that situation. That, and there's no guidance from like the FDA on like what on one system, what does a problem look like? And could that same problem manifest itself correctly on another system? There's no guidance about like, what's the bare minimum to define like what a proper problem is or what a proper diagnosis is. Um, and people um, trust these systems to talk to each other, but there's data dropped or munged or put in weird places just to get it to fit to say that they got it in there. So there's like the, the minimum it takes for the machine to understand it, but there's also like the whole semantic integrity of, is that being really communicated to another physician in a correct way that they can actually say, oh, okay, this is it. And I had many discussions about whether or not medical software should be considered a, a, an FDA device. And I think it should, because there's a lot of efficacy issues. Um, I know that I had to do some, um, now my area was weird because once the data was released from the, the EMR, it, be, it actually technically came under FTC rules. Interesting. Uh, your portals, um, for the most part, are governed by the Federal Trade Commission. Um, at least ours was. Uh, once we, we obtained the release of information request from patients, but uh, yeah, technically we were under FTC, but we still maintain HIPAA standards across that transference. Well, I, you know, and I'm not gonna make this political, but, uh, you know, government is not always the most ethical place to be making regulations and decisions. Well, it's not only, it's just the standards. They, there's a standard yep. for trading information, but they stop at saying, well, what should this look like in each piece of software? What really defines like a problem? What really yeah. defines, what are the attributions for that? And that's where it becomes a free for all. Mm. And um, that's why, you know, when you jump healthcare systems, a lot of your data just doesn't come with because guess what? They don't trust the transference system through electronic means to actually represent the data. So they just hand over files and that's an expensive route to get your uh, data loaded into an EMR. And in other op opportunities for things to be fall into the wrong hands. Paul, yep. you work, you, you've been working in the healthcare space a lot. Let's get you, I'd love to get your take on the ethical aspects of healthcare tech devices, those types of things. So this is my first time being in a company that we do have an FDA approved medical device. Um, but I've also worked in another company where we had software that had to be FDA approved uh, for clinical trials. But in the, a company in between, which is one of the largest healthcare insurers in the country, um, I had a boss there. She was a physician by training, but was head of product of the company, uh, of our subsidiary of this uh, insurance company. 
And we were doing care management, not the insurance side, but care management of people's chronic conditions, helping them to live their healthiest life possible. And she basically, she instituted this thing where she started putting up the Hippocratic Oath wow. on, on posters around the office. She's like, the number one goal of what we're doing here is do no harm. We, we are helping people coordinate better care to live healthier. And she said, while not everybody in this organization is a physician, nor do we have the same um, responsibilities of being a person's physician, she said, we're going to follow that concept of do no harm. If, if, if you're working on a product, if you're making a change to a product or whatever, it has to be thought of from the patient's perspective and we have to be thinking of, is this going to better the patient's life or not? Well, it's interesting to think about. I mean, I love that aspect and the fact that she made that part of the culture. Because often hey, there are big companies out there who have bottles like Do No Harm, who do plenty of right. <laughs> things, right? Uh, but, you know, making it a, a motto versus actually putting the posters up and telling people when you make those decisions... That's a huge difference culturally. Did you feel like you were, that gave you guidance to how to make better decisions that would, you know, help you think through what, you know, uh, we could do this, but it might risk something or we could do this and it's going to do no harm. Oh, it totally, it totally guided everything that we as a product team did. Every decision had this aspect of, okay, we want to engage more patients in these healthcare management programs to help for their chronic conditions. But is what we're doing going to harm people or like everything was, is it going to harm people? Is it going to make them live, help them live healthier? And that's how we guided every decision that we made. Uh, wow, Paul, that's great. I love that. And actually perfect transition. Brian, I have to say, I loved your answer. Uh, you know, especially the, 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 the first part, uh, it is the responsibility of the product manager to build an ethical product in an ethical way. Talk to me about your thoughts on that. I think there's two parts of the ethics. It's first, it's, is your product unethical? You know, the whole Facebook, Instagram thing, making it worse for teenage girls, things like that. That's yeah. a product that's unethical. Yep. But then there's also like in Joy's answer of it's being built unethically. People are being asked to lie. Um, but one company, I had the product manager, he never came out and lied about what the software could do, but he implied that it was kind of existing there in the list. So it's, you know, it, you have to look at it both ways. You want to put a product out there that does no harm. It's good for the, your customers, but then you also want to look at your team and say, I'm treating my team well in how we build this. So I think you have, when you're looking at ethics, you have to look at both sides. I, and I love that you said, uh, <clears throat> this means the product manager is responsible for setting the ethical standards used by the team and what the product does. So as you set out your vision for what you're working on, part of that vision is not just the problem we solve for the customer, but it's, it's also about us and our culture and about how we do Correct. that. Right? Yes. And, 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 and making sure we go there. May, you said you strongly echo with Brian's points, but would like to add the following. Responsibility to whom? Let's talk through those people who you identified as responsibility to whom. 
Yeah. So there, um, there, there's a couple of things, right? As a product manager, probably someone hired you on, uh, unless you're running your own company, uh, to do all of these things, right? And generally speaking, the con, the either spoken or unspoken contract is that you do things aligned with the company's values or missions or whatever it is the company is trying to do. So if, say, you work for a hedge fund, uh, well, then you're, the, the company's ethics might be a little bit different than, you know, uh, the World Wildlife Fund, right? Um, we can't all work for the World Wildlife Fund. Um, and even if we decide not to go work for a hedge fund, we probably, like, there will be other people who do it, right? So um, I think it's important to think about if you don't do it, someone else will. Um, what is the difference that you can make? What is the impact that you can make as an either an individual contributor or a product leader um, to make the work, like, to enforce that bit of ethics as long as it's within what you can have control over as well as um, what you can influence. So that goes back to the conversation Joy said she had. And it's like, maybe, maybe it should have stayed. Could I have <clears throat> fixed the situation? Uh, but ask that question. Is there something you could do to sort of, you know, what the old saying is like, you don't need to, if you can only change the degree by 1% over time, that gets you back to where you need to be, right? It, 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 over time, just a slight change may end up giving you what you need to do. So, but like the other thing to think about is what is your overall impact on society that you could make by doing things elsewhere, right? Like if you are thinking about working for Facebook and you say, well, if I work for Facebook and like I have all these ideas and I can go and, you know, change at least this little facet of it. So maybe people are spending less screen time on it. Um, you're probably going to get fired. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I, I don't know if that's uh, I, I don't know if that's a great career trajectory for yourself, or you know if it's even going to make an impact. Whereas um, if you have a competing offer uh, from literally anyone else, maybe you'll have more impact on society. I have to think there are people who have gone to a company like Facebook and said, "I can help change this." Right? I can make it better just from the inside, right? I'm going to do it. Uh, I hope yeah. there are, you know, but part of it's also helping, you know, we, we tell, a, you know, Steve and I have talked about, like, if you get to a place where you do all the work and you prioritize it based on data and the CEO says, no, you're going to do it my way, you know, then you have a decision to make, right? That's not ethics as much as it is, you know, it could be at, at the toxic place where they're not going to let you do your work the way you need to. And if they're not, <clears throat> whether it's, you know, the hippo, the highest person's opinion, or it's ethical things, then you need to select out, right? And, and realize when you can't impact that. Yeah. And there's also one last thing I'd like <clears throat> to add, which is if you are in a place where you're surrounded by people who may not be acting in the best ethical manner per your opinion of what ethics is, um, you may start to blend in over time. 
Like it might, it, like it's it's very common that people start to change depending on the people they surround themselves with. So it, just keep that in mind if you're trying to make a big change. Just make sure um, you're ready to uh, withstand crowd mentality. In a lot of ethical situations, you you hear people say, "Oh, it's you know a rotten apple spoils the whole bunch." Oh, it's just one rotten apple, but they never finish. The saying is that a rotten apple spoils the whole bunch. Unfortunately, you don't see the, the perfectly ripe apple does not make all the other apples perfectly ripe, right? It seems like the rotten spreads easier than the ripeness. Steve, <clears throat> I wanted to, Paul really hit me with that, do no harm, right? And we talk about when you're deciding what to work on, we use this fire score. Uh, to do that. And it really gets to that P, doesn't it? Purpose. Mm -hmm. What is, yeah, your purpose and <clears throat> frankly, your passion. But I, yeah. I want to jump on something May said as well. One of my favorite lines is not uh, one small, one, one bad apple is never wrestle with a pig. You both get dirty <laughs> and besides the pig likes it. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, I, I think that uh, Simon Sinek said it really well. I mean, what is your why? Um, and I wonder, you know, um, there are companies that are, well, I, I've, I've encountered companies that say, uh, we're, we're just in this for the money. I mean, we're doing it for the money and, and, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with making money. Uh, but I'm in product management cause I'm trying to, you know, change a little part of the world. Um, the money is good too. I mean, you know, you can't not have the money, but, um, uh, I don't like to be around people who don't have a passion for what they do. And that's, uh, that's not quite ethics, but it's in the neighborhood of, of people saying, well, everybody is doing this, so we can do this, this unethical thing. It's like, well, what is your passion? Well, our passion is doing whatever it takes to make money. Uh, and then it's like, well, then why aren't you in the drug dealer business? I mean, there's a lot of money there. Pornography apparently is very popular as well. And they're like, oh, yeah, we wouldn't do that. I'm like, so there is an ethical line here. It's just really, really low. <laughs> Boy, Steve, sometimes you're, you're able to tell stories that just get me totally like off track. Yeah, well, and you can see how, you know, uh, maybe I'm not always the right person to do an executive briefing. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I think, you know, there's, there's a whole new trend in companies, the certified V Corp. Right, which is the mm -hmm. benefit corp, which you have to actually prove social benefit to what you do. I haven't seen a ton of it in the software space. You see a lot of it in in consumer goods, but it's you know their whole you know, and this is still not perfectly ethics because you can be totally ethical and still be making a ton of money that, that sure. putting the shareholder yourself first, right? Uh, where the benefit corp is about putting the benefit of society and and, and that type of stuff first. But mm -hmm. I think you know, there are. If I could say something, going on what you guys were just talking about with working, being passionate about a product about that's more than just making money, I was actually approached by the president of a company about a role, and they do um, advertising for pharmaceutical companies directly to patients about drugs. Now, years ago, that was regulated, and you couldn't do that, but the industry was deregulated to allow that. And I actually said, I was given the offer. 
But as I was thinking through everything, I'm like, no, I can't work on this product. I really disagree with mm. advertising directly to patients for, for a pharmaceutical company. Whether it's legal or not. Yeah. Correct. Right. There, Correct. And there's, there's things that are legal that aren't ethical or moral. There's things that are moral and ethical that are, you know, it, it, they, it, that aren't legal. Right. So I think that there's, you know, ways to look at it both ways. Uh, you know, I don't think we have any product managers from smoking companies or even the, the sugar companies. Right. Uh, but it seems like there's stuff there, especially, in, and that's probably even closer to just like with the software people where there's eth ethical issues we can come across. If you're in the a brand business, that is a, you know, there was the old, uh, there's the old movie called, was it Thank You for Smoking? Mm -hmm. Which is the, the head of the, you know, smoking people and he hangs out with the other sins. It was, you know, guns and you know, sugar, but there, there are some places where that it definitely comes in. And Paul, I'm glad to see that that was, you know, you have an experience where you dealt with that and you made a decision, which I probably would have agreed with. So just a bit of Canadian uh, interjection here. Um, so if you're watching television, how do you know you're watching an American station? If the um, mm. commercials roll and you get the <laughs> side effects may include and then a giant list of things, you know, you're watching an American television uh, station because Canadians aren't allowed to do that. In Canada, advertising for prescription drugs, you can either say what it does or you can say the brand name, but you can't do both. Mm. And, and actually, I was going to make the joke, right? When one of the things they tell, warn you of is if you're allergic to this product we're selling you, don't take it. I'm like, boy, you know, what, what level of whatever. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna move to our poll because we could probably keep going and talking about this forever. Our poll question was, and I'm gonna I'll make it bigger for everybody to see, where do you see the biggest opportunity for ethical issues in product? And I'm gonna actually do something I've never done before, is I'm gonna do a repoll with a couple answers because. There was, I put a couple answers down that I grouped some stuff in where probably I should have grouped stuff, stuff out. So the, the answers we had were artificial intelligence, false ongoing payments, that's going to the whole fundraising and you put them, make them recurring so people don't realize that they're paying you $200 every month, right? Uh, fair pricing pack practices, social media manipulation and other. And of course, my other came out with two really good ones. May, you said data right? Companies know more about you than you do. Who owns this information and can they sell it to other people? What can they sell and how much can they sell? Brian, you said you voted for artificial intelligence, but you believed it's a combination of social media manipulation that has the biggest direct impact, which is driven by AI, which is impossible without data and building on that offer privacy. And then Ken, Ken uh, Barrett uh, echoed May and Brian, data being a huge area of ethical risk, particularly in shared data in a cloud platform. So Brian, talk to me about your thoughts on that before I go to our new poll. Sure, uh, the first thing was, my first thing was artificial intelligence. That's where the most power, the, to me, the most risk is, you know. And, and that one with 58% of the vote, so. Right, so the computer making the decision, but then as I thought about it after I voted, it's like, it's really more a combination of these where you really see 
the impact I think is the social media manipulation. You know, it's so it's the direct connection to the user where the artificial intelligence isn't the direct connection, but it drives that. Which is very relevant right now, especially with the Facebook uh, right. situation. Yes. May, did you want to comment on your comment? No. Okay. <laughs> Boy! And so artificial intelligence did win in the first poll, 58%. Fair pricing practices, 8%. Social media manipulates 8%. And other was 25%. And I, I thought- I didn't even understand the AI uh, machine learning because it's it's not computers. It's the algorithm. It's the code that you're putting. Who, 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 who builds the code? Who enables the code? Who uses, creates the, the, the learning sets that they learn off of, right? So there's a lot of ethical considerations of AI when they're using it for facial recognition where they really can't, you know, certain genders or races, they have a hard time really calling people out. So it's how do you, how do you train it properly? Uh, and so that was sort of where I was leaning uh with this did you vote problem with qa though yeah um like i i saw there was an article about hand dryers some new hand dryers don't recognize people of color's hands and that (laughs) was the type of stuff i would yeah well that's not the problem of the hand dryer it's the problem of testing it's the problem of requirements it's the it's the programming it's not but that is not could that not be seen as an ethical issue we're building something that should work for everybody but doesn't work for people of color yeah, but I think she's trying to tie it back to the AI thing. There was no AI in the hand dryer. Yeah. Yeah, it's the programming. It's the people. It's the product mm-hmm. managers. It's okay. Well, well, good news is you're going to get a chance to vote for something else. <laughs> what did what? you vote for, by the way, Joy? I said other because okay. I go back to my example. I was being told to lie about what was in the software. You know, it's, yeah. it's those decisions. I, I get it. And yeah, I, didn't even, I didn't even put that in the other option. Go ahead. Comment back to the AI. The, I think one of the most dangerous things there is the coding, the training of it can be unethical and the team doesn't even realize it because they don't understand the impact of how they're training it. So I think there's a huge risk there that's we're doing unethical things and we don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, to me, it's all about, it's all about the data. Because there's data that's being collected now that, okay, what might be happening now might be totally fine, but there's so little regulation, especially in this country versus the European Union, of what can be done with that data, that there's nothing to say that something something bad won't be done with that data in the future. I look at these companies, 23andMe and -hmm. and, and Ancestry.com, where they're collecting DNA information from people. And who's to say that five years from now, life insurance companies and health insurance companies won't use this risk information that you can see in DNA to deny people coverage? Well, actually, didn't uh, health insurance companies bought buy one of those? I, or, yeah, or a ph- no, a pharmaceutical company. It was a pharmaceutical, it was a pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical not insurance. I, yeah. I, but that, I, that's, got, that's gonna happen. Yeah, data and, is going to be used to to discriminate against people. Based and not and none of us read the EULA, so I have never done one of those clicked, things. I won't let family members do any of those. Yeah, I I wish I asked you, but Paul, before I did it, because now they have all my DNA. So 
it's not even just that, right? They they they've um in their in their user agreement they have they say they own the sequences that they come up with that comes from resulting in measuring your DNA. So whatever gene maybe if it's used for like gene therapy in the future, they can patent the sequence yeah. of DNA they found from maybe your sample or a collection of samples. Um, and so that's crazy, but. No, I, I, I agree. Well, and that actually that ties back to my rant earlier about politicians. I mean, it's, it's impossible for people to pass laws around the stuff we're talking about because only five people in the world actually understand what we're talking about <laughs> and not one of the five is here on this call but you know what i'm saying it's like this idea of patenting a little bit of my dna which has a thing and that's a, a good thing for the whole world wait just because i was born that way i you know it's just like how do you how do you how do you control not control how do you pass laws around that kind of privacy? So when I'm gonna, nobody understands the question. I, I completely agree with you, Steve. I'm going to cut this path off because we're not in regulatory conversations. This is product growth leaders topic of the week, not indeed DNA sequencers topic of the week or uh, FDA topic for the week. And what I'm going to do is we're going to do a repoll. And actually, while you were on your rant, I was able to go edit my poll. We're going to do it the See, first I do ever. Add value. I, first I create pauses so you can edit slides. In call poll on where is the biggest opportunity for the ethical choices? Now I've added data as its own, privacy, AI, and lying. And I can't vote. I don't know if Steve can vote because he's so. We'll see. I think I can. Okay, yeah. I can't vote because I am the so I'm just whatever wins I'm going to say was my what I would have voted for anyway. Of course, now you guys give me a tie. Uh, two more. There's like a I think a vote more to go. Oh, there we go. And the poll. Oh, what I didn't vote yet. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I figured you were the first one. Lying came across first. Like nobody even hesitated. They assumed it was you. What would you have voted for? I could do the math. I mean, it's the biggest opportunity. Yeah. For me, was data. It's the biggest opportunity. I mean, lying, I don't think is as big an opportunity as data. Okay. Maybe if I had said most common place where there's ethical issues, would you have changed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, words matter, don't they? To me, they do. Well, I was, yeah, to Steve. Uh, so interesting how I got rid of, I, when I said AI, I was really thinking data and privacy and the use of that type of stuff combined. We broke it out and it was data more than privacy. Uh, and, uh, but lying, I, I, I added that and it got a decent amount of votes, 60% for data, 20, 40% uh, for lying, nobody for privacy or AI. So I guess, you know, this is one of those back to our old favorite answer Steve, which we haven't had for a while because John Harmer's not been here. It depends. It depends on the situation you're in. It depends on the, the experiences you've had. Uh, Can I say maybe that's not, this isn't the right topic to be talking about. I mean, um, 
because you can the, say the that. Real, no, no. The, the the real question is like the outcomes of what you're doing. Is it ethical, right? It's not how like there is an, a certain level of ethics behind the how, but when you're talking about consumers or in or, or uh, corporations that have to interact with your product, it's the outcomes of your product. That's where the ethical concerns um, were that that's what we're not talking about, right? Mm -hmm. There's no. a there's an ethical concern into like how you approach the problem solving part. And we we beat that to death in like product talks. But what we don't talk about is the ethical concerns behind the outcomes. Well, I, I think if if the way you get that outcome has if some of the how is unethical, right? How we got the data, if we broke privacy stuff, we can do an outcome which is, may not be an ethical issue, but we got there ethically. Uh, so I think ethics comes into both the how and the what yeah. uh, the outcome is. Uh, I, you know, this is, the reality is it's not a product topic. I think somebody said that in their answers. It's not just a product thing, it's every job. Right, the developers, the designers, the finance people, right? Everybody has an ethics for theirs because of everything that's happening right now with a product manager being a whistleblower and an ethics thing. It sort of became an interesting topic to talk about mm -hmm. now. Uh, and I, you know, I yes, I can agree that you know some of it is outcome, uh, but I think that we also have to think about how we do what we do. Right, because I'm sure there's unethical ways that we can gather data that can help us make a great product that everybody loves. But if we gathered that data unethically, right, there may be some issues there. So the first question, and I don't even know how much time we're going to have for multiple questions. The first question, Joy already answered this question. Uh, so I'm going to get some other people's inputs. I think I already answered this question. What is the situation where you had to make an ethical decision related to your product or company? Anybody have any more to share on that? Um, I'll go first. Uh, somewhat uh, echoing what Joy said before, uh, my first job, I was at a small startup that we did budgeting software. And there were many occasions where the sales guys would try and push the software and not necessarily be 100% honest about whether or not it could accomplish what the customer was looking to accomplish. Um, but I made it a rule for myself and the other guy who did demos and whatnot, the two of us, we were like, we're going to be brutally honest and say, can it do this or not? And more often than not, we actually sold the product still because it could do what it could do well enough that they didn't care that it couldn't do some of this stuff. But they knew ahead of time whether it could do it or it couldn't do it. And that's probably a very common situation that a lot of people face, right? Uh, when people are trying to, to commit to anything to sell a product, you know, just being honest about what it can and can't do. And that sort of al aligns a little with Joy's uh, experience from earlier in the call. Thanks, Paul. Anybody yeah, it else? reminds me of uh, when I was in sales, they would ask if the product could do something and I would pause and say, well, you could do it with the product, you know, because it has this scripting engine. So maybe it can be done but we would i would really emphasize the well you could do that but it doesn't work that way out of the box um, one of my other ethical situations is i had a product that was really quite great and i introduced it to the sales team and the sales guys said um 
can we sell it over list? Can we sell it for more than you're asking for? And I was kind of befuddled by that because I'd never encountered a sales guy who wanted to sell anything at list. You know, it was always how deep can we discount? And in this case, they were so excited about the product, they wanted to uplift it. And I thought, you know, back to if it shows up in the news, yeah. how, how angry are you going to be if you find out that you pay 20% more than the company down the street for literally the same thing? Um, so I was in a weird position of saying, no, we will not accept contracts in excess of list price. <laughs> but that's how you feel when you're on the airplane and you're afraid to ask anybody what they paid for their ticket. I was you know, just about to say that. Oh, well, I'll let you finish it. No, no, I don't need to. But it was, I was going to say the airline. It was just going to be my punchline to your story about you being yeah. to it. Uh, May, Brian, Glenn, any, any situations you've been you want to share? Uh, I yeah. think the same oh, situation for me, it was... You know, you go, I was at one company where I would go in and help with the initial conversion and the lead, lead person in that group, we'd go, get to the customer side. It would be, all right, you've signed the contract. Now let's talk about what we really can do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's probably the most common one across companies. I get it. Glenn. Yeah, very similar, except for I had like a, an internal kind of ethical decision. Um, there was a, a new product brought on and they wanted to use some of the adapters that I had built and not all the adapters are the same. And I'm in this meeting and I'm saying everything contradictory to what the vice president of development of my group was. And I was actually told, are you calling your vice president a liar? And well, I yes, like, I oh, am, but well, not not a liar, but you know, here's the truth, you know, and uh, boy, you know, between trying to sell them on usage of our adapters versus like telling the truth that this one situation won't work the way they want it to, it, I was called to the carpet. I was brought in. Like, what are you doing? I'm like telling the truth and it it was just i couldn't ethically tell them that it would do something that it could mm -hmm. do in the manner that they wanted it to do and it just that was a really well yeah problem. it's kind of like that does work at the powerpoint level <laughs> yeah so, may any, any stories from you uh uh, one of my coworkers, past coworkers, told once told me that back in the '90s when they sold the software because like there were no competitors and they, yeah, so um, they faxed over a mock-up of what the software could be to a potential client, and they paid for a faxed mock-up, and it was like it, it's pricey, right? Especially in like. $90. So they, they managed to make a sale of, of, a, of a simple, um, ah. very gritty faxed over mock-up. Um, so I guess that's like technically not um, <laughs> ethical. Did they deliver on it? Eventually. What? Years, <laughs> like a year later. If you were committing that we had it now and then you sent them a mock-up and it took a while, there's a little issue. But it's interesting how everybody's examples almost come with 
misrepresentation of what you have or what you can do. Uh, maybe we need to get more social media companies into the community so we can have those really juicy discussions about, you know, data manipulation and, you know, privacy and that type of stuff. Well, I guess the good news is that none of us appear to have worked for a company that is damaging society. Steve, as their a, as their primary tool, uh, uh, as their primary business. value prop. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. And actually, it, it'll be interesting to see what the conversation is. Our lightning round is going to be more of a thunder round. Feel free to roll a little. We're going because we don't have enough time for three questions. So I'm going to make the lightning round a little. It doesn't have to be one word or phrase, Joy. You or, but with Joy, it probably will be one word or phrase. <laughs> As a product leader, what would your advice be to a product manager dealing with a product or business-related ethical issue? So if you're going to advise somebody who works for you or somebody you're a mentor, you know, maybe I should even do this as a mentor or a coach so you're not dealing, because if it's your product manager and they work for you, you're probably dealing with the ethical issue yourself. So let's separate it from being your issue. Somebody comes to you who you, know, you used to work with or who you're coaching or you're mentoring or friend of a friend and is dealing with a product or business related ethical issue, what would your advice be? And I'm going to start with joy. Well, I don't think I can answer this in one word. I like, you know, I was thinking of words and I couldn't think of any, so I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, don't end up on the front page of the wall street journal, uh, for, you know, for negative reasons, I mean, positive. Sure. Yeah. Um, what would your mother say? You know, does it make you feel good or not? I, uh, I, I think those are all good ones. And I'm going to make them all separate ones. So if we're going to yes and this one, we have to build from that. So Steve, you can't go back to <laughs> Wall Street Journal or what would your mother say? So that's taken. Uh, Brian Weber. Now I feel guilty for stealing Paul's answer and putting it on here to do no harm. Because <laughs> now he can't use it. Sorry about that, Paul. That and was I, going to be my answer. Boy, boy I, I don't know if that's ethical or not. Take my <laughs> answer. What a case study for your for our next discussion. So yeah, do so, no harm. Yeah. So I think for the from the product perspective, do no harm. I think that's perfect. Um, from a business related ethical issue, you know. I think ethics is such a gray area that you can talk to somebody and it's, if you're not feeling good about this, you need to, you know, leave the company or, you know, as far as Facebook go public or whatever. And like I said in my answer, or you lower your standards and you live with it. You know, it's what, how comfortable or how uncomfortable are you with it? And you have to make a personal decision. Uh, I agree with that. Glenn. I have been taught um, when it comes to F, 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 ethics is um, I'm not only responsible for the desired outcome, but the unintended outcome of use or my words or anything else. And that is my moral compass. So I'd probably invite that person to check their moral compass um, and say, you know, it's a little bit of a shade of do not do no harm, but that's kind of how I was raised with ethical issues. I love it. Paul. I've always liked Steve's theory of what would you think if it appeared on the top fold of the of the newspaper? But I, so that's definitely one aspect, but I'm definitely gonna steal what Brian said, because he stole it from me anyway, and do no harm. 
So the, Paul's version of innovation is it's new if I take what Joy said and what Brian said and make it one thing. <laughs> All right, May. How much therapy are you going to need from this? Right. <laughs> uh, if you know, for for someone who's has a very strong moral compass, um, if you do something, is it going to bother you? Are you going to feel bad about it? Are you going to feel bad about it for a week? Or are you going to feel bad about it for two years, five years, a decade? For your life. For your life, right? Like how how bad how bad do you feel about it? Like how much of this is an ethical issue versus something that you just don't want to do, right? I love I I almost was gonna say, boy, I think we've got our answer and I'll stop, but I never don't want to let Steve talk. Steve. Well, I'm just going to say, stick to the truth. It's easier to remember. You know, in Glenn's case, it's like, well, does the product do this? No, it doesn't. And then, well, if I ask the question 16 other different ways, could you come up with a yes answer? And it's like, all I know is what works. You know, I know the code. I know that the, the connectors, I know the interfaces. I know this works, and all I can do is tell you the truth as I know it. I love it. Uh, I'm going to go with what my boss told me back when we told the story from the beginning. It's like, well, the only thing you have is your integrity, right? And, you know, how is, how is this decision going to impact your integrity? Because you can't get, once you've lost it, you can't get it back, right? And it sort of goes to, you mm -hmm. know, the moral compass, that type of stuff. But Right. Once you lose your integrity, it's gone. Right. Once you, you know, and there's plenty of movies that show that. Right. Well, I know movies are movies, but guys, thank you. As always, a wonderful conversation makes me think, you know, this was a topic that made me think a lot of, in a lot of different ways. And what a great group of people to have this conversation with. Uh, Joy, Glenn, Paul, Brian, May, my, my friend and partner, Steve, thank you for a wonderful conversation on a tough topic. Uh, and we do these wonderful conversations, sometimes on tough topics, sometimes on not so tough topics. Every week uh, on Monday in the community, uh, the question goes in on Wednesday, if I remember the poll goes in. And then on these fr on Fridays, we have this wonderful conversation. So everybody, thank you so much for a wonderful conversation. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week in the community. Thank you. Thank you, Grant. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Business of Product Topic of the Week brought to you by Product Growth Leaders. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. And for more great content and to participate in the topic of the week conversation, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.